Welcome to the Herald Express Talker United Yellow Army podcast, brought to you weekly by Guy Henderson and Richard Hughes. We'll be talking about everything that you ever wanted to know about Talker United. Uh, you can find us in the Talker United channel on the Devon Live website, or you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Welcome to the podcast on another scorching day on the English Riviera, probably the hottest day of the year so far. Still no football and not much prospect of football for a little while, as we'll hear from Gary in a moment. All rather disappointing this week, Richard? Yeah, nothing's happened, does it? Nothing's happened, but we have much to discuss, <laughs> as ever. We'll find plenty to talk about uh, today. The, the A to Z team reaches S, and that means I reckon I would back this S team against any of the others. Against against so, any other talkie team or against, against any of our other <laughs> maybe that the certainly the striking partnership is as good as we've ever had at playing more. There's possibly a good winger in there as well, isn't there? Yeah, one or two actually, one or two. But uh, between them, our S team has five championships, four FA Cups, a League Cup, six Charity Shields, two European Cup winners cups, and a hundred international caps. That's more than most uh, decent. It is. Big and players, isn't it? The fact that that's just shared between two of them will be oh, okay. over <laughs> uh, for the moment. We should start, of course, before we head off into the the meat of the podcast, saying congratulations to Ollie Watkins and Brentford. Yeah, what a game that was yesterday. Nice I, I, I won some money on Ollie Watkins scoring the first goal yesterday, so I'm, I'm pleased with that. Great stuff. I mean, what a terrific result for Brentford. Uh, tonight, we'll find out who they face in the final. But I think um, all Torquay fans have got a bit of a soft spot for Brentford. Uh, a lot of games against Brentford over the years, obviously. A lot of players in common. Yeah. Uh, Paul Gibbs was celebrating on social media last we'll night, of course. Yeah. And Ollie Watkins, of course, is a Torquay lad through and through. He's one we kind of let slip through the net, isn't he? During that period when there wasn't so much going on with the youth stuff at Torquay yeah. and Exeter were hoovering up all the all the decent Exeter and Plymouth were hoovering up all the decent players. Absolutely, he's twenty four. He's a South Dartmoor school compre. Um, Contemporary of Jamie Reid, I yeah, believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and friends, a, I believe, good friends. A talky lad through and through. So we wish him all the best. Uh, hopefully, in the Premier League. I mean, he could be playing in the Premier League next year, and so could Callum Morton. So two, yeah, two uh, talky lads in the Premier League. That'd be interesting. That would indeed. But yeah, good. Congratulations to Brentford. Congratulations, Ollie Watkins. Um, we should head off first, I think, to your chat with Gary. This week, I mean, we talk or you talk with him about the delay to the resumption of the season, which I all do. our listeners yeah. will know about now. And of course, the new players that he's brought in. So we were kind of jesting when we said there was nothing to talk about. There's plenty to talk about. Let's have a listen to what Gary has to say and then we'll return to the podcast. Right. So for the first time, Gary, in, in quite a while, we've got quite a lot of news to talk about. So we'll, we'll try and get through it quite quickly. Um, first, okay. first of all, um, we, we, we've, got, we've got four signings. Yeah, we've uh, four signings this, this week. Um, I said I'd try and let people know as soon as we uh, could could, poss- could possibly do that. Yeah. Um, Danny Wright, um, who's an old war horse of mine yep. from uh, my Cheltenham days, and um, he had a fantastic season. He's a great lad on and off the pitch. He scored he's goals pre- wherever he's been, isn't he? He has. He's got that presence, um, and he's good in the air. Um, and you know he's, he's he's had promotions previously. He's thirty five years young. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I think if you speak to him, people that know him, he, he's more of a 27-year-old than a 35-year-old. <laughs> yeah. And um, I'm really pleased to get his services. Um, and also we signed Andrew Nelson. Yep. Who's a boy from uh, Dundee. He's 22. Got unbelievable um, potential. Yeah. Um, he's done well at, at Dundee. He started off at Sunderland, so he's had a good grounding. Um, he has scored goals, and I think he he's now ready to be that player that can score twenty or goals a season over a forty-six game season. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So I think you know between him and Danny, we've probably found some goals. He, uh, he's a name. Sorry, he's a name that um, many goals fans won't be familiar with. I mean, how did you get no. to get to know about him? Well, just, I mean, obviously we, we, we write down names when we need to and we follow things up when we need to. I mean, he was still on contract at Dundee. Yeah. And I don't think too many people out there knew that uh, he was available. Yeah. Um, I think it was due to financial stuff at, at, at Dundee. So, you know, we, we, we approached um, his, his representative, spoke to him uh, when we could. And it was legally to you know <laughs> able to do yeah, so, yeah. and he come over very well. I told him what we're trying to do. He had a good look at our games, our highlights, uh, you know, players' interviews, and um, and you know we managed to convince him that we were the club that can enhance his game. Yeah, because absolutely. you know any striker knows that you know we we I've always had strikers that have scored lots of goals, and that's because we make lots of opportunities so um, it was great that he decided that um, you know we were the ones for him and he was the one for us because he just met our profile he's exactly what we were looking for so mm. you know we, we, we managed to get in early and, and get his services and then the, the two defenders yeah um, well Gary Warren everyone knows about of yeah. course um, you know, was, he always, be... was he always on your list from the moment he went back to Exeter? Yeah, he was. He was. Um, at that point, he wasn't sure whether he was going to be offered another contract at Exeter or not. But, um, you know, we, 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 we stepped in as soon as we knew that uh, he was available. Uh, we had a chat with him and uh, he was happy to come back to us. He enjoyed his short time with us. Uh, wished it could have been longer because obviously they called him back early. Mm, yeah. Um, but great experience, you know, played in the Scottish uh, Premier League, hasn't he? And he's done done the bits in, in National League. So um, he's, he's a, a very experienced head. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I needed back yeah. there, just to stop the flow of goals going in against us. Um, you know, I think Carl Cameron would be better for it. He enjoyed working with Gary Warren when he was there. And the other lad is a, a lad called Fraser Kerr. Um, who was at Hartlepool and um, before that he actually played in the uh, Scottish Premier League as well for Motherwell um, scores goals when he gets forward we need we needed one of those yeah. um, as Gary Warren does of course um, he's quick and 27 so he was good age experienced again um, and we think you know he'll link well whether we play a, a three at the back three centre halves or whether we play two centre halves um, you know along with Carl Cameron um, 
those three give me good competition or they could all play together if we play the 3-5-2 um, so yeah, I'm really pleased with that and, and you know the fact that we're bringing some boys from a fair distance means that we've we've done the job on them if yes. you like in as yeah. much as that we've we've you know given them our philosophies and our principles and our ambitions and uh, you know and managed to win the day and there's another one on his way, apparently. Hopefully, Sorry? another one on his way. A fifth player. Uh, yeah, we, yeah, we're hoping it's an attacking midfielder, um, and it's um, he, he's under contract at the moment, okay. so we, we 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 can't sort of say that yet until the other club decide that um, you know he, he's he's available to come. Okay, and fine. I was hoping that was today, but um, it might not be. It might be. Uh, you know, in 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 the near future. By the time this podcast is played out on on Thursday, it might have happened. So we'll see. But um, yeah, no, that's no great news. So you're obviously pleased with that that that, that load of signings. I'm I'm very pleased um, because I think they will strengthen us in the areas we need to strengthen. It gives us good competition all round, uh, which is what we need. Um, and now we've just got to wait an extra couple of weeks, two yeah. or three weeks before the season starts. But it is what it is, and you know by October the third, there will be crowd, uh, you know, a crowd watching, which is good. Albeit it may be uh, a reduced capacity, so um, anyone thinking of buying a season ticket, <laughs> I'm sure they'll get first refusal. If um, you know the, the the gate has to be uh, reduced, you know, yeah. reduced, yeah. I mean the. Seems quite late. It was speculation was that the season would start a bit earlier than that. So has that, that surprised you, October the third? It, it absolutely surprised me because it it, it 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 shook us all last night. It was late last night that suddenly we got a uh, you know a, a, an email from the national league yeah. with no real explanation other than you're starting on this day and you're <laughs> finishing on this day. Do you which know what is, I mean? Which when, is May the twenty ninth, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. But we was all geared up to starting training on Saturday. Yeah. Um, so you're dead right. It, it's been miles too late. But as I said, it's it is what it is, and people, you know, we don't quite know who makes the decisions or why at the minute. But um, they've made it, and we 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 get on with it, sort of thing. But it'd be nice to know the reasons why um, that it got changed, so that we all that we all know. And uh, but at least we got a start date, so we know when we can start training. Yeah. Um, we know when we're going to start the game, so we'll just get on with it, and uh, you know, hopefully, we'll be ready when it when it uh, the games, the league games come round. Uh, has that changed many of your your pre-season plans? The start of training, um, pre-season friendly dates, anything like that? Yeah, it has. We, you know, we, we've had to cancel a couple of games that we had lined up because obviously, um, you can't play now uh, in the early pre-season friendlies because. You know, we, we we won't we won't be back even. No. <laughs> so, um, but you know, I'm I'm having to juggle a few things around, and <clears throat> by the time you know the games come around for pre-season, I'll I'll have them all filled anyway. But it it's just a um, you know a, a bit of a uh, an earache, not an earache, no, a headache, yeah, <laughs> headache, yeah. Um, that I've you know I've got to change things around a little bit and. Uh, when I was quite happy with our pre-season before, but yeah. anyway, so we, we, we'll have we'll have some games. It's good that we'll get them at playing more as well. 
and we've got a few there just to um you know make sure that we we get used to our home pitch um yeah. unfortunately i'm pretty sure that pre-season friendlies will be without crowds yeah i'm sure so it'll be just a matter of getting the lads ready yeah we'd all been hoping to get used to our home pitch a little bit sooner hadn't we but yeah there's i mean it's an extraordinary decision by the national league it's out of step with all the rest of football it's thrown not only Torquay's but everybody else's plans completely up in the air not least presumed sorry i'm ranting but not least <laughs> because the players would have come back presumably off furlough tomorrow or day after tomorrow on august the 1st and now that's all up in the air well they were due to start training on saturday um that will now be pushed back three weeks so that um the five week lead into the first game was sorry a six week lead into the Mm. first game with a a six week uh, pre-season is is the norm so that's what they'll they'll do so that's uh, that's another three weeks holiday for the boys so um, the, they, they might they might be annoyed about not playing, but uh, another three weeks holiday and another three three weeks childcare for the for the ladies might might help. Well, that's true. There are upsides, I suppose. Yeah. But you know, just just to have at the beginning of this well, when we recorded the last podcast, they would have been all set to come back into training on Saturday. They would all have tapered their fitness and sorted out their weight, ready for Saturday, and now they've got a whole another month. I do wonder if it's a good thing in as much as it gives the clubs and the league more time to work out how to get fans into the ground. That's um, true. I, when you look at when the Premier League is hoping to start, that's around a similar time, and they are hoping to start, according to the Premier League and the FA, with fans inside grounds. Yeah. So I, I wonder if the National League looked at September the 5th or September the 12th, which was the, the two mooted start dates, the 12th being the favourite until this, this shock announcement, and and thought, well, it's going to be too soon to get fans yeah. inside the ground. And if they've looked at the the noises coming out of the, the, the Premier League about how fans will be allowed into the ground around that similar time, then there'll be no excuses really for for authorities to say that, that the National League can't start without fans going into the ground. Now, at multi-million billion clubs at the top of the Premier Division, fans being in the ground, you know, you don't get any atmosphere, but not being in the ground, you don't get any atmosphere, but you, but, but they're not so mm. worried about the financial implications. Whereas some teams oh, at our level yeah. will be very worried about the financial implications. So yes, it was a shock, but I wonder if that was part, part, part of the, the idea behind moving Maybe. everything a bit forward. Maybe. I mean, we've, we've kind of joked about it in the past, but social distancing at Plainmore wouldn't be a huge issue. You've got a ground that'll hold 6,000 people at a push and you're trying to get in 1,500 at a maximum. You know, after the, the, the enthusiasm's gone for the first couple of games, you'll settle at around 1,500, 2,000. Yeah. You should be able to spread those out, shouldn't you? You should be able to, and I think they will, don't yeah. you? So I, I, I think, you know, you look at the gaps in the family stand, I mean... You just need to equal those gaps out and, and, and nothing yeah. needs to change really in the family stand. Um, I was talking to the father of a, a friend of mine last week who's, who's been a season ticket holder for, for, for some time in the family stand and he said at the end of last season he was the only one in his line. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah. you know, that's uh, that's natural social, social distancing is already occurring. Yeah, it can be done. Disappointing though, for disappointing even just on the level of we were really looking forward to some football, weren't we? Yeah, we were, but let's. It, it, but, but the anticipation is it, yeah. is good, isn't it? And um, 
if, if, if it's because they want to do it right, then fine. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, it's, thrown, it's thrown Gary's plans into chaos, yeah. as he said. But um, I didn't really want to use the word chaos in the paper. But uh, it's just... Um, it, it, it's a headache, as he said. Um, because, you know, they'd arra- he said he was happy with the pre-season he'd arranged. Yeah. And now he's going to have to change that. Um, the Buckland game next Friday... Um, well, that's gone apparently. Yeah, I've had no official confirmation of that, but um, you assume so the, the players aren't going to be here. Yeah. <laughs> um, they hadn't announced dates for any other other pre seasons so far. We we know that they were going to be playing Exeter at some point. Exeter will be coming back before them. Mm. Um, will Torquay be around or or be at the the kind of pre season level in their pre season journey where they would want to play Exeter? No. We don't know. But he's, he has said that there'll be a couple of games at Playmore. There'll be no, no fans there, obviously. But uh, he's obviously juggled it about a bit and, mm. uh, and made some changes and, and yeah. feels reasonably happy with where he's back to. Good. Well, you've made me feel strangely better about it. <laughs> yeah. um, on a positive note, I mean, he's introduced four new players. Yes. There's a fifth waiting in the wings yes. he, did, he did mention that the fifth would be announced imminently as we speak he kind of when I spoke to him he, he kind of expected it to have come out by the time this, we did this podcast or even when the podcast was uploaded and ready for, for, yeah. for you guys to listen to but um, no, nothing as yet no. and that's literally just down to I think he I think it's all done I think he's just dealing with some, some loose ends involving the, the, the chap's previous team yeah so what do we think about these four new players? And I mean, I know that we've been talking about it all week, but not on the podcast. But there's no great surprise that Gary Warren. Gary Warren. Um, interested in what Gary said about him being a captain, a captain in waiting. He's got mm, five or six captains out there. Mm, I wonder whether he'll make him captain. Well, he's got, um, with the inclusion of another one that we'll talk about in a minute, he's got kind of three key centre-backs in the squad now. He's got Gary Warren... Um, coming back from Exeter, he was on loan for three games last season, and then prematurely recalled by, by Exeter when they had a, a, a tiny bit of a, uh, a crisis in yeah. numbers at the back for them. Um, he hasn't really played for much for them. He's played a couple of games, but um, uh, he he impressed us. He impressed the fans, I think, and he impressed the club especially. Um, when when he played in those three yeah. games, just just kind of around after Christmas or before Christmas, before mm. Christmas, I can't remember, but he looked good. We liked he's, the look of him. He's thirty five. Yeah, he's experienced. He's yeah. played in the Scottish Premiership. Yeah. Now that's um, no mean feat. We know that um, there are other ex Torquay players who have played up there, Bowman and, and people like that. Uh, and we know that level isn't quite maybe the Championship even. But if if yeah. you take those two main teams out of the equation, but. Um, you know, he's got that experience and um, played a lot of games in non-league as well. And he's a good influence in the dressing room. It sounds like, you know, he's a, he's a good figure to have around the club. I'm very happy that we've got him. Yeah, because Carl Cameron's a, a young a young defender who looks really promising. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be good to, to be beside yeah. him. And we don't know. Gary said, oh, it sounded like Gary really knows yet, I guess, until he gets everyone on the training field and starts working on different shapes and positions what he'll be doing next year formation-wise or, 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 or you know, uh, who will be playing where. Uh, he's got a bit of strength and depth, so he's got players who can play in more than one position. And Gary Warren yeah. could be playing alongside either Carl Cameron or, or, or Fraser Kerr, or yeah. he could play a two, 
or you well, know, he likes to be flexible, doesn't he? He does he like to, to move flexible. from the four it's, back to the five. When when you've got a team on the field that can switch from a, a four four two to a three five two, or a three five two to something something yeah. else, and and you know that those players can slot in there quite happily, and it's very balanced. That's a great start, isn't it? Because it is. not often we haven't always started like that. Uh, the arrival of Danny Wright again, probably the worst kept secret in lower league football. Yeah, his his cycle ride, tra- training <laughs> rides with uh, Aaron Downs gave that away, really. Yeah, I mean, just it, a I mean, it didn't yeah. give it away completely, but uh, I remember speaking to Gary about <laughs> two months ago when our, our colleagues in Ch- the Ch- our sister newspaper in Cheltenham kind of gave the story away by doing an interview with Gary, sorry, an interview with Danny, Danny where, right. where yeah. he was turning down a move to Gloucester um, because he'd. He, he believed he had a deal done with a National League yeah. team. Well, it didn't take too much of uh, no Praro moves or Miss Marple moves uh, to, yeah. to, to work out what was happening. He, he said he'd been on training rides uh, on, on the bikes with uh, Aaron Downs. He played lights alongside Aaron Downs at Cheltenham and they were both managed by Gary Johnson. Yeah. He scored goals. Gary rates him very yeah, high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 35, but yeah. Gary said he's a 27-year-old in a 35-year-old's body. Yeah, Gary said he had a couple of great seasons with him. He's a good, he's a big character on and off the pitch. Um, Gary obviously likes working with him, and I think that's sort of ninety percent of the equation, isn't it? It's it's the chemistry between the player and the management that works well at Playmore at the moment. And again, it's an experienced player. He, yeah, he's got a lot of experience, and and you know if he's going to be up front, um, alongside, God, my mind's gone blank. Well, I mean, you've got a couple of players coming in here, haven't you? A couple of other players uh, that we've signed up. Yeah, I mean, come into the equation. I, I was trying to remember Olaf. Yeah, so Olaf is, is the other one yeah, on the bench, yeah. still, still young. And then, of course, we'll talk about Andrew Nelson. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, the other thing about Danny Wright is he's quite physical, isn't he? He's quite yeah, he's looks stuck it, in. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't push him around however no. hard you try. Um, he's. I mean, that's going to give us something else, something of an edge, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I think um, alongside a younger striker, because that's what will happen if he mm. plays, Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think he'll be a big influence yeah. on them too. So Andrew Nelson coming in. I mean, actually three of the four players that Gary's brought in have played in the Scottish Premier. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Nelson had been at Dundee. Yeah. Um, could, Not sure if they were in the Championship. I think they were in the Championship. Uh, they actually. When did yeah. they drop down? But anyway, yeah. uh, he, he, was, he was at Sunderland as a kid. Um, had a a spell out on loan at quite a few different clubs, non-league and league, and then ended up at, at Dundee, as you say, um, and and did all right there last season by all accounts in the Championship in Scotland. Yeah. Um, they have major financial problems at the moment. He still had a year left on his contract, I believe, yeah. and um, it was a mutual agreement that he left only last week or a couple of weeks ago because that's what I found when I looked it up in the, yeah. on the old Google. Uh, some of the, the Sunderland website was still following him, actually. Uh, the, the, you know, the ex-Sunderland player available after release by Dundee. Yeah. So so he's one that Gary and Peter had in the notebook for a little while. Yeah, uh, they've watched yeah. him a couple of times. Yeah. They like him. Um, 22. Yeah. Um, scored goals every club he's been at, which doesn't yeah. always happen when you're a lone, yeah. young lone player. But at every club he's been that he has actually scored some goals. Yeah. So that, that's, that's intriguing. And he sounds like a good fit um, when you think about, you know, um, what Gary did to Jamie Reid's game. Yeah, yeah. Um, if Gary can do a similar job on, on Andrew Nelson, then, and, and, 
I'm sure Andrew Nelson has looked at that situation yeah. and gone, crikey, look what happened there. Um, yeah, because it's a two-way thing, isn't it? It's yeah. not just the manager looking for players. Players I, are looking for a manager who's going to bring something out of them, aren't you, they? You said that, that Torquay had been tracing him for a while, but um, watching him, but he he probably has been ha, had interest from quite a few clubs, I would have thought. Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, uh, what Gary and, and Aaron can, can do for him is just as important as what, yeah. what, what he can do for us in his decision process. Fraser Kerr is the other name who's been announced so far. 27. Decent player, been at Hartlepool, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was at Hartlepool the last season. Uh, and obviously, so Gary, mm. seen him, sounds sounds like a good signing. Yeah. Um, strong, was at Birmingham City as a youngster. Yeah. Scottish, but was at Birmingham City as a youngster. Then ended up playing Motherwell. So, he, I mean, he's, he's, been, he's been about for a youngster, but... Yeah. Decent player by yeah. the look of him. Well, another interesting thing that Gary said is, is that both of those players are coming from a long distance to play for Torquay United. That's not a big. That, that's a big decision. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they could have found clubs closer to home. Um, so they they've chosen Torquay, which yeah. is is a long way from home. And we wouldn't be amazed if Connell Evan Hay Evans didn't turn out to be the the mystery attacking midfield player. An attacking midfielder. Um, of a certain age, um, yeah, I mean... He's got plenty of previous... Well, reverse, I'm prepared to be shot yeah. down. Yeah, I... But, uh, yeah. We wouldn't be surprised if it turned out to If be he good. was going to break into the Bristol City first team, I think he probably would have done it already. Yeah. He's been on loan with us twice. Mm-hmm. He's obviously comfortable at Torquay United. Um, there's a change in manager at, at Bristol City, obviously. I mean, that might make no difference whatsoever, so... We'll see. Yeah. I mean, it might be that the, 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 they want the new manager to look at him. Well, we don't know. I'm only speculating. But if, if he does come back to us again, he will only get better. He's a good player already. Yeah. But, you know, to get a, a settled contract, a team that he can call his own. Yeah. Couple Full of, of seasons, players yeah, he knows. Exactly. A couple of seasons here, you know, sort of building his reputation. It's got to be good for his career. Hasn't yeah, it? absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we know what he can do on his day. Doesn't always do it, but but when he does, crikey, he's a good Decent player. player isn't yeah, it? yeah, good player. And that's that's kind of all the slots taken then, isn't it? That's a squad of twenty, if we're including yeah. him. That's a squad of twenty. You have no gaps. You've got two two goalkeepers who who yeah. both been comfortable as first choice. You've got uh, three de- decent uh, centre backs. You've got some some wing backs, which we which we know and already love. Yeah. Um, you've got, you've got a good spread around the, the yeah. middle of the yeah. uh, of the of the park, and an experienced striker and two young strikers. Because I mean, one of the criticisms that plus some... plus I mean, you think about the centre backs as well. You've got Louis Slau, yeah, who yeah. you know has, has had a year experience with the squad underneath him and or behind him, and 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 you know so that and then the two young kids as well, yeah. I say one of the criticisms was that it was a very young squad at times last year, especially when they were losing games, when the injuries were kicking in. There were a lot of very young players in that team. But with these signings, um, with Gary Warren, with Danny Wright, you're looking at experienced players. Old heads is the wrong phrase, but players, you know, with a bit of a bit of nous about them. But you but you're also looking at Liam Davis, Asa Hall in there yeah, already. Yeah. But you're also looking at a young squad that's now most of them had two years' experience mm. at Torquay. Yeah. Playing at that level, uh, okay. Some of them were, were playing at the uh, national south. We know that's not quite the the national league, but but they've had experience of playing yeah. 
last season up until thirty odd games or whatever it is last season until it was stopped. Um, they they they've had the the ups and the downs. I mean, what one minute we were we we, we were one win away from being top of the division, and we yeah. ended up finishing fifteenth. Yeah. Um. So they've they've certainly had the ups and downs, but that you know that could be a bonus for everyone. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. you learn, don't yeah. you, and you learn how how to react to those situations and how the manager reacts to the situation. You, you know before the manager tells you what he wants you to do to get out of those situations, yeah. etc. So it's, 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 there's a lot of, although there's five new players uh, and two new youngsters in a squad of 20, there's still a lot of con- continuity there. Yeah, I think you're right. If only we could get to see him play, Rich. Yeah. <laughs> well, I it would have been... I mean, I'm, I'm away next week, so I was going to miss the Buckland game anyway, which was yeah. really yeah. annoying, but I haven't had a holiday all year, so um, that was really annoying. That's gone, so um, it's a shame for... I mean, I, I say I was going to go and get, get to see them at Buckland. I was hoping to as, yeah. a, as the journalist, but um, obviously no one else was, um, so... Uh, you can, you can thumb your nose at me then. And do. <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens when, uh, when it all comes back. Let's break off and do the D question before we proceed with the podcast. Every week we ask you a, a little bit of a teaser. Uh, this week it's the letter D. I need to know the player whose surname begins with D, who's made the most appearances for Torquay, and the player whose surname begins with D, who scored the most goals for Torquay. You see, I started so well that first week, or that second week with, with B, didn't I? I'm going to let myself down. You did. We'll, we'll give you the answer right at the end of the yeah. pod. Yeah, uh, give me time to All think right, about we'll it. give you time to think about that one. Um, and also, uh, a mention in passing for a rival podcast, the Talking Talkie podcast, yep. which I think has stopped okay. looking at um, social media. Very sorry to see them go. There's, there's plenty of room for podcasts around a football club like Torquay. Absolutely. Just a quick word to say it was it was good, it was great. And as I said on Twitter, you can tell when something is made by real fans. And yeah. That was. So that's a so, shame. I didn't know that. So yeah. that's a shame. So uh, well done on all the good work. Uh, maybe May- just make, make it a little sabbatical. Come yeah, back yeah. And, and maybe the guys who did that would like to pop in at some point and, and, and say hello to us. That'd be good quite idea. Good. good idea. We should do a combined podcast. And of course, for the Yorkshire girls, it's Yorkshire Day on Saturday. Is it? It's uh, August the 1st is Yorkshire Day, so happy Yorkshire Day to our friends on the Yorkshire girls. Okay, we'll move on to the S players. Come on then. The S players. This, <laughs> this is a great, great team. I've mentioned a couple of them before we go into the team. Lee Sharp, obviously, is in the S team. Yes. Um, we'll to go through his stats when we get there, but I found a really interesting little interview with him online. We did try and get him for the podcast. Yeah, both of us actually tried did. to contact him for his agent. We did, but we haven't. Um, no chance. We haven't been able to get a chat. With we, we we didn't pay it. We couldn't pay enough. In mm. fact, we don't pay anything. So. We'll um we'll we'll keep. Perhaps we'll try and set ourselves up as a reality TV. Program. Yeah, yeah. We might get. Yeah. It might interest him then. But um, yeah, we'll keep trying. It'd be lovely to get Sharpie on the podcast. But there's a lovely story that he told in an interview about when he was um he was first signed uh, by Manchester United from Torquay. And he said he was he was staying in Diggs with a lovely Scottish family in Torquay. Yeah, he was in he was in the um, in the Gulls Nest or whatever it's called, the Gulls Lodge, Gulls Lodge. Yeah, and they played Hereford at yeah. home on a Friday night, and he said he had he hadn't had a particularly great game. He'd been beaten up a bit by their de- their defenders. Yeah, I know the, the way story. It's it. a good one. Lying in bed at one thirty in the morning, heard footsteps out in the corridor. It wasn't Womack and Womack. Um, it was his landlady saying that Cyril and the club secretary were downstairs and they'd just been driven round to the house in a jag by Alex Ferguson, who was refusing to leave until they'd shaken hands on a deal. 
Um, Incredible, so, isn't it? So what started off as a pretty dismal Friday night at Plainmore for Sharpie turned. Yeah, he thought he'd had a really bad game as well, didn't he? Turned out to be a pretty good. Yeah, uh, the story is that Dave Colwell answered the door. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he thought he was, it was for him. He'd been staying there for a short while. Yeah. yeah. And uh, whether we saw Alex Ferguson in the car and thought that's my break. That's it. <laughs> He's come to sign me. And of course, the other um, the other great player we did, did try to get hold of Tim Seals this week again. In actual success. fact, I think Dave Cobble probably thought, "What have I done wrong then?" If they're all standing <laughs> at the door. Yeah, there's a Jaguar outside. <laughs> as well. It's probably the Sweeney. Um, and Tim Seals as well. Well, we'll talk about Tim when we go yeah. through the team. But as preparation for the podcast, you really should watch that goal again. Oh, it should be absolutely. Yeah, it just should be lovely header, isn't it? Viewing. I mean, it's a it's, it's a great cross as well from Wayne Carlisle, isn't it? Oh, it was. And if you watch it, the the, the clip on YouTube, which you watch again and again, Tim Sills isn't even in the picture. No, no. Even right. when even when Carlisle is crossing it, Tim Sills is not in the picture. Elliot yeah. Benyon's in there. Danny Stevens is in there. But Tim Sills arrives, doesn't have to break stride, heads the ball in for the second goal at Wembley that beats Cambridge. I will never tire. Of talking about that goal. No, no. Uh, Tim Seals might, but. <laughs> okay, the S team, obvious choice for goalkeeper Neville Southall is in goal for Torquay. He was here 1998 2061 games he played. It, it ended rather strangely. He got a concussion in a game. He did, yeah. Um, uh, it took him a while to recover from that, and he didn't. Yeah. I'm not sure if he even played again after that. Wes Saunders as manager. He was. Um, Wes Saunders. Job was on slightly shaky ground around that time, and I I wonder if it, you know the influence of such a big character in the team or at the club was uh, was was worrying someone. Possibly, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Possibly, he was Torquay Player of the Year in '99. Uh, he'd obviously played nearly 600 games for Everton yeah. before coming to us. Yeah, he was one I'm, of those players you couldn't quite understand how he'd managed to pull that off. No, he was no. at Bradford, wasn't he, at the time, not getting a game. Um, I'm not sure. I know he went to Bradford. No, no, it was Doncaster. That's right. He went. On the day he was released, he signed for Bradford and played in the Premier League the next Saturday. (laughs) Because they had a goalkeeping crisis. Brilliant. Loads of great stories about Neville. Obviously, if you follow him on social media now, you'll know that he's a a campaigner. You know, he's he's very, very passionate about community issues. He's, He's a good guy. He's one of the heroes, isn't he? And there's one of the things that he did at Plainmore, which is a story that you hear now and then from people. They had a beat-up old beatbox in the dressing room at Plainmore, which I think Tony Beddow was probably in charge of. For, for anyone for anyone of our age, we'll remember beatboxes, but uh, I think youngsters might be thinking of a, a fellow in the corner using his mouth to oh, make yeah, drum that, noises. That's true. A, a, a cassette player a with cassette large speakers. With large speakers. <laughs> which, which was on its last legs, and, and one morning they, all the players were complaining that this thing never worked properly and it used to chew their tapes up. And one morning, a new... Tapes? Guy tapes? Oh, come on. (laughs) Our listeners are all of a certain age. But, uh, yeah, one morning, a new one was waiting there when the players came in. Neville had just gone out and got one and and plonked it in the dressing room. I I know he was a really good influence around the the ground and and, and was quite able to talk to fans and stuff Mm. as well. Great guy. Okay, in defence, Scott Stamps. Yeah. He's on our defence. Talking 1992 to 1997. It's five years, I didn't realise. I mean, he was a youngster coming through, wasn't he? Um, Played a lot of games for us. Uh, He started at Torquay, and then he sold him for £10,000 to Colchester. That's right. Wasn't he on the bench in 97? 
at Wembley. He, well, he was in the Division Three playoffs. Uh, he won the Division Three playoffs with Colchester. So yes, he probably yeah. was. It was in that very game, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he won the National League in 2000 with Kidderminster. Did he? So, Did he he's, uh, so he's, okay. he's a decorated player. Uh, Phil Sandercock is alongside him. He yep. was at Torquay 1969 to 77, played 224 games. Crikey. He isn't quite, well, he is actually by a long way, he isn't the most appearances of any player in this S team. Started at Torquay, then went to Huddersfield and Northampton. He's chiefly known, of course, for scoring the second own goal in the Pat Cruz game yes, against yes. Cambridge in 1977. A, a blameless career apart from that, 13 goals in 224 games, but everybody remembers him for the second own goal that put us 2-0 down. That's the uh, Jim McNichol thing, isn't it? Uh, no, that was the Cambridge, the Pat no, Cruz No, no, but everyone oh, remembering you, you yeah, for, yeah. for something that, that, that what didn't quite work out rather than all the good stuff you did. Absolutely. Uh, Dave Stocks is in the defence. He was yeah, I here. I don't remember Dave Stocks. He was Player of the Year in 1975. He was so at Claymore. Totally, just about the time I was starting to watch, but maybe not retaining the memories. 71 to 77, 161 games, four goals from defence. Uh, he played for Charlton, Gillingham, and Bournemouth before he came to talk. He was one of the last players in that great Bournemouth connection that we right. had uh, back then. And of course, at the heart of the defence, um, actually there are two players in this team that we've named pets after in the Henderson household. Really? And we had a Jack Russell called Wesley, uh, named after Wes Saunders. Yep. Player of the Year in 1991. So many stories you could tell about Wes Saunders. As a player, he was at uh, Torquay from 90 to 93. Uh, 74 games, 11 goals, obviously the Wembley playoff victory. Yeah. It was very much down to Wes. Uh, there was an incident with a kettle and uh, yeah. a certain ex-Plymouth striker, yeah. which has passed into folklore. Uh, another thing, Wes is remembered for that, apart from um, many, many games played. He'd, um, he played for Newcastle, Carlisle, Dundee. Torquay played £60,000 for him. Yeah, big, big In money, Dundee. wasn't it? Um, you know, he was a big character. And uh, uh, when, when he, he had been... Um, Obviously, in that team that that uh, won promotion and stuff and playoffs, and obviously went away. Um, I think he was managing Spennymore, which would be a local was. team yes. up there. Yeah. When we lost to the playoff final in '97, and I remember the groundswell for Wes to get that job was extraordinary. Mm. After Kevin Hodges went to Plymouth Argyle. Very, very popular character. Wes. Yeah. I mean, Mike Bateson and he used to be a terrific double act. Yeah. And of course, he, 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 was, he was friendly with Gazza, wasn't he? So that, he was that, Gazza's agent for a while. He was, he? yeah. 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 He, he starred in some, when, when, when TV companies were using Gazza a bit, as a bit of entertainment, he was in a couple of shows with him. Um, Did, wasn't he instrumental in that um, testimonial game when Chris Evans played yeah, and Gazza played yeah. and goodness knows how many they all turned up. turned up yeah no that was I mean that was a great day I remember that very keenly um, it, he had a good first season Wes didn't he yeah um, it kind of kind of trailed off really didn't it he's played he was actually in charge for 90 uh, no he wasn't he was in charge for more games than Cyril Knowles was was he really I didn't write the figure down, but I noted that he was uh, more games than Cyril Knowles. Of course, it, it kind of, it kind of trailed off and, and ended up with the, the Barnet game. He'd left by then, Yeah. but uh, the, he was in charge at the start of that season. So uh, it didn't end brilliantly, but uh, well well remembered as a player. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. quality defender. And, you and know, and he, he'd, been, he'd been part of that, that Newcastle kind of 
team of the 70s, late 70s, early 80s, and all big characters in that yeah, team. Indeed. Um, I think Gazza had actually been his... his uh, uh, you've been his apprentice. You've been his yeah. apprentice. In other words, clean this, clean that. That's the stuff. That's the stuff legends are made of. And a very fine Jack Russell Terrier as well. Mm. Midfield, Danny Stevens, the second player to have a pet named after him. My daughter had a goldfish called Danny in honour of the Danny small Stevens. Pet. The small yeah, pet. Very, very yeah. small. Uh, yeah. He'd been a Spurs apprentice, hadn't he, Danny? Came to yeah. us in 2007. Uh, Paul Buckle brought him from Luton. Yeah. Went on to play 230 games for us. He, that still doesn't make him the uh, the most games of players in the S team. Okay. Um, but, I mean, he was he was involved in some really great games for Torquay. He scored twice against Yeovil in a televised cup match. Uh, he was Player of the Year in 2009. Uh, actually, he was the, um, the Conference League's Player of the Year in 2009. Was he? He was, indeed. Played at Wembley. Uh, Alan Nil released him. But his main claim to fame is that when Kevin Nicholson, uh, not Kevin Nicholson, when Chris Hargreaves left Plainmore, his shirt on the Soccer AM set was replaced by a Danny Stevens shirt. Uh-huh. So, so the the main thing that people remember Stevens, apart from his quality on the ball, because he was he was very tricky on the ball and quick, was his height, of course. And for me, being five foot <coughs> myself. <laughs> um, it was always quite good to see a player yeah. of a certain stature ripping it apart on the field and 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 making some some defenders of 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 major major stature look a bit silly sometimes. And he was highly rated at that you know in his pomp at Playmore. Yeah. Or I mean, we spoke the other day. Steve Evans was very keen to get him to go and join him at Crawley at one time. I don't think after he left Torquay, he he went to another club, didn't did he? I think he. I think, I think he played he, at Whitehawk for a week. Did he? He played in in non-league. Right, okay. Uh, alongside him, Tom Somani, who we've mentioned before Tommy, as yeah. well. Tommy Somani, uh, 79 to 83 at Torquay United. Played over 100 games, scored 13 goals. He'd been at Albion Rovers and Blackpool before he came to Torquay. Right. But he's best known as a coach, isn't he? In America. In America. Yeah. Uh, he coached in Australia and New Zealand club sides, but then he's coached the, the women's teams in Australia, USA, Canada, and currently New Zealand. I mean, coaching the... Is he? Is he really? I think he. I think so. Yeah, oh, I believe so. My friend Stuart Moffat, who does the Moffside uh, New Zealand football podcast, might be interested in that. Then. I believe. I believe so. I may be wrong, but um, but I mean to be. I mean to be the, the, the national coach of the of the American women's team is is, is some going, isn't yeah. it? I mean, and he had when he first got there. They were incredibly successful when he first got there. They won one of the major tournaments. I think it's on the Algarve was the biggest tournament at the time. Uh, but the following year, they did very badly over there, and that's when he lost his job. Right. Fickle football being mm. what it is. But uh, obviously a coach of great repute. Now, I remember him playing, but I don't remember too much about him. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a bit of a, a knowledge gap, but I do remember he, I remember what he looked like on the ball and on the field, yeah. if you know what yeah. I mean. Ken Sandercock in the midfield there. Yep. Uh, 68 to 75, 180 games, six goals. He came to us from Leicester. Okay. And uh, no, he didn't. He came. We went talking to Leicester and then came back again. Right. Again, played two spells at Claymore. And then Lee Sharp obviously completes that uh, the middle four. We talked about Sharpie. Aston Villa fan. He was a YTS player. Two hundred grand Manchester United paid for him. Yeah. Which was massive money, obviously, for Talkie United. Um, And what did he? Eight caps for England. Three premierships, two FA Cups, a League Cup, a Charity Shield and a Cup Winners' Cup. 
Also starred on the uh, the steps of uh, Monroe's drunk a couple of times, I remember. Yeah, you, I mean, I wouldn't hesitate to ask what you were doing there, but um, but you were witness to Lee Sharp having a, a I, good, I was, good night I was out. sharp spotting. Of course. Uh, what a player, Lee Sharp. Great, great player. And then the two up front. Now, I think this is as good a striking partnership as you would ever find okay. at Talk United. Um, Robin Stubbs. Yeah, of is your man up front uh, 263 games for Torquay 133 goals which is not a bad strike rate no. at all uh, 1963 to 1973 had two spells uh, during that time at Torquay he'd been signed from Birmingham City yeah. for £6,000 he played in Europe for Birmingham uh, Dave always used to tell the story of uh, Tony Boyce trying to persuade this Robin Stubbs to come and sign for Torquay and uh, Robin tells it as he when he got off the train at Torquay Railway Station, stepped outside and saw the azure sea and the sky and the sunshine and the holiday crowds. Yeah. Um. He, he never really looked back after no, that. No, and he he uh, he had a a pretty colourful personal life as well, didn't he? He did. I mean, there's that brilliant picture of him getting out of an MGB. Yes. Uh, you know it's an MGB instantly, <laughs> but it's you know it's it's an iconic '60s football picture. Um, a very dapper-looking Robin Stubbs getting out of an MGB. Of course, married Anthea Redfern. Uh, he was voted the all-time favourite by the Talk United fans. I think for anyone who was born later than the 80s, you have to explain who Anthea, Anthea Redfern was. Anthea Redfern. <laughs> well, Anthea Redfern was a, a local lass um, in the entertainment business. She went on to marry Bruce Forsyth. She was on the Generation Game. She was the famous Give Us a Twirl Anthea on the Generation Game. Um, it was showbiz heaven talking. <laughs> um, but yeah, Robin was very well connected and is an honorary life president. I met him. I met him some years ago now at a, a Talk United golf do while I was working for the website and went to cover it and uh, sat next to him and trying. I think it was, I think I was sitting opposite him. Yeah. And uh, he was really kind to me. Um, really nice bloke. Um, chatted away about football. Yeah, it was a, it was a good afternoon. And I all-time favourite, you wouldn't argue with that, would you? There are no, players, no, there are not many, at all. Many, no. many, many players who no. you could put in, in the running for that. But I'd vote for Robin Stubbs every yeah, time. Yeah. And up alongside him, what a four-line this is then. Tim Sills, up alongside Robin Tim Stubbs. Tim Sills. Tim's he'd been a Millwall trainee. He came here. I think he was he was almost um Buckle's first signing, wasn't he? He came down in two thousand and seven. Yeah. Stayed till two thousand and ten. 136 games, 47 goals oh. in those 136 games. Uh, he'd been around. He'd played for eight teams before Torquay. We signed him from Hereford. Mm -hmm. uh, he was top scorer in his first season and he was the first Torquay United player since Robin Stubbs in 1965 to score 20-plus goals in two successive seasons. Right. Which is a little bit of a stat. Um, there was a goal that he scored that was absolutely crucial in the development of that Talk United team, though. Don't know if you remember, September 2008, we'd had a I just moved away. We'd had a bad run. So I was... We, we'd played seven games that season. We'd won one, drawn two, lost four, and there was a lot of speculation about Paul Buckle's job. Right. He was under pressure. I mean, it was our first season down in the lower leagues. We'd expected, probably quite wrongly, to walk it, and we weren't. We were conspicuously not walking it. We were at home to Northwich, Victoria. It was 1-1 in the 90th minute. Talkie got a penalty down in front of the family stand. 
and Tim Sills dispatched it um, with alacrity, as they say. And then was that Talk, the changing point? Talkie won two one. That was the turning point. We went sixteen games unbeaten okay. after that. Yeah. But that was the moment. I mean, that was the penalty that you know we've said before. We thought saved Paul Buckle's job. Thank heavens it did, because Torquay went on a brilliant run after that, which ended up at Wembley. But that was you kind of forget that. With, yeah. Um, Let's talk about that header at Wembley then. Well, I'll put my notebook down. <laughs> now, lean back, cross my legs. <laughs> talk me for it, guy. Well, it it is. I mean, it is just. It's a sweeping move. Let's not forget that Chris Hargreaves had scored a more than decent goal earlier. Yes, he had. A great snapshot. Lovely finish. Um, Especially with the camera behind. Um, But yeah, I mean, the goal, the game was swinging to and fro. Cambridge had had a few chances. Torquay were on top. Uh, And then Wayne Carlisle embarks on a run down the right. I'm not watching this as we speak, so this is coming (laughs) straight from memory. Uh, I'm sitting in the press box with... Uh, Dave Thomas and a fellow called Mike Baker. We were covering it for the website and for the paper. I I, I was in the um the uh, well with the Torquay fans. It's one of the few games because I was working at National at the time, so yeah. they didn't need me to cover that. Ah. So um I was actually in the crowd, which was really nice. Well, being Wembley, on, on the side where where Wayne Carlisle crosses from. Oh, well, you can pick, if I get any of this wrong, <laughs> you can pick me up on it, bro. The thing about the Wembley press facilities is there are little TV monitors, mm, a mm. tiny TV monitor on every desk. So, you know, we were able to watch the replay after this. But Carlisle goes bounding off down the right wing, as he did. Good player, Wayne Carlisle. Uh, Elliot Bennion and Danny Stevens, uh, if I remember rightly, are around about the edge of the box looking for the cross to come in. Tim Sills, who may even have started the move back in his own half, is charging through with you know those long strides of his big tall guy very athletic uh carlisle's cross i mean the, the commentator says carlisle he's looking for benyon and then it's tim sills as he arrives because <laughs> he's wearing the zorro mask he's got the zorro mask on which is important as well it isn't? is because he broke he'd broken his cheekbone hadn't he in a match I think so yeah uh, possibly in the semi-final against histon was it histon it would have been the previous season I can't Maybe. remember. I can't remember. But um, so he's got the mask on. He doesn't break stride. Carlisle's cross is perfect. He meets it absolutely. Brilliant. Perfectly, doesn't he? Brilliant header. Goalie has no chance. Exactly. That's the old cliche, isn't it? But on, on this occasion, the goalie had no chance whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, and Tim Sills then sets off on a celebration with his arms outstretched. Yeah. The picture that you you'll see. You can see it now, guy. The picture will be at the top. When I put this <laughs> online today, the picture will be there, taken by our friend Paul Levy. The iconic picture of Tim Sills with his arms outstretched, the mask on. The match is won. And it's a goal that is the best goal I think I've ever seen. And the next day I went into the Guardian where I was working, the sports desk, and one of the one of the editors at the time was Adam Sills, and I didn't realise that he was his brother until that day. Really? Yeah. Have brother been, or cousin. Brother or cousin. Have you been maybe at the cousin. Game? Been at the game? Um, I, I don't know, I don't know. No. I just remember him. Every time every time it came on the highlights package on Sky Sports. Yeah. Sillsy. <laughs> But there is a video clip uh, or, and an audio clip, which I must try and find somewhere, which is uh, our colleague Dave, or former colleague Dave, um, reporting for the BBC. Okay. And he keeps his composure right to the moment that Sills heads the ball, and then it's all gone completely. <laughs> Dave, uh, Dave is, is just a fan on the terrace again. Um, and aren't we all? Yeah, Great absolutely. Stuff. Great stuff. Manager of the S team is Dave Smith. 
Oh yes, of course. Yeah. He was manager from October. Bard of Plainmore. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah, he was. Um, that, I don't know where that came from. It just appeared in my head. The he Bard was of good Plainmore. Money. He'd written a book. He'd right. written a book okay. about his promotion season at Argyle. Okay. Um, Ninety games. He was in charge. Thirty-seven point seven eight percent success rate. Okay. Thank you for TalkyFanStats.com, who supply a lot of this uh, rubbish that we come up with every week. And just quickly, as we've taken up a lot of your time already, we'll run through a, an illustrious subs bench. Mark Sale. Oh, Mark Sale, bench. yeah. yeah. The very lanky, scored goals, though. Had a good partnership with Dwayne Derby, didn't he? He did, he absolutely And did. Adrian Foster, I think, yeah. We bought him for £10,000 from Birmingham and we sold him for £20,000 to Preston North. Yeah, he ended up beating cancer, didn't he? Uh, I he think it was at Rushton and Diamonds. Yes, he had Hodgkin's, um, Hodgkin's disease, it, yeah. I believe, which is a form of cancer. Yeah. Um, and beat it so yeah. well, well done to him Tony Scott uh, who'd been at West Ham and Aston Villa before coming to Torquay United in 1967 that's back in the days when players would make that kind of yeah. uh, drop uh, 96 games 4 goals went on to play for Bournemouth and Exeter John Sims who was also a manager and a publican and a publican uh, he managed Torquay for eight games in 1985. Was it only eight games? Only eight games. He was between David Webb and Stuart So Morgan. he was caretaker manager, but kind of not caretaker. I don't know, that, that's a weird it's one, a eight long, games. It's a long, long spell. Yeah. But uh, 55 games, 12 goals. That's not bad. It's not bad, not is it? Not bad no, at all. He had all. the post horn, didn't he? And he did. Just off, um, just off the GPA, GPO roundabout there. Yeah, yeah, he did. Well, just just where the old Herald Express it. Well, print, print, print works around, around yeah. Uh, and completing the bench, Bruce Stuckey, of course, the yeah. country and western singing star alongside Dick Edwards, yeah. local lad, um, played for Exeter first, then Sunderland, then came to Torquay, uh, also played for Reading after Torquay and the magnificently named Connecticut Bicentennials. Brilliant. Which I think they became our favourite American team, didn't they, a little while ago? Yeah. The uh, Connecticut what, what Bicentennials. 99 games he played for Torquay. Eight they goals. won't have to change that name for another... <laughs> no, for another 50 years that'll be with them for a little while now but uh, yeah that's the S team thank you very much to Julian of course for help with the S team and talkyfanstats.com for help with the stats yeah great stuff thank you very much so to finish the D question the D player with the most appearances oh, I'm, I'm not going to put you on the spot no I'm, I'm struggling with this greatly unfair uh, Jimmy Dunn oh Two, another two, you know two spells at Torquay. That's what was in my head. Jimmy Dunn. Two Why didn't I just say it? You should have done Oh, no. Now I'm really annoyed with myself. 274 games played for Torquay. Uh, Derek Dawkins. Although I was going to say John Dunn, and that would have been a, 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 an old poet rather than actually... Uh... <laughs> uh, Derek Dawkins, 211. That's just behind yeah. him. Yeah. And I knew dude would be close, but I couldn't think... Of anyone apart from Jimmy Dunn, I couldn't think of anyone else who, who would be more. And of course I was right. And I didn't get the D player. The D player for the top scorer is Harold Dobby. Oh, okay. I would never. Dobby. I mean, obviously, I know the name, but I would never have dragged that one up. Nineteen fifty-three to nineteen fifty-seven, forty-eight goals in one hundred and fifteen games. That's not a bad ratio, not is bad. it? I'd have gone for Paul Dobson. Yeah, forty-two. He in wasn't 96. there kind of long enough, though, was he, to to really rake up that amount of goals? But forty-two in forty-two in ninety-six. Yeah. Dwayne Darby. Is that right? Dwayne Darby, twenty-nine in one hundred and twenty-eight as well. Right. Okay. So those are your deep. Dwayne Darby was a bit frustrating with the, the amount of goals he scored. He was promised more, didn't he? He did, he did. But I think he had a hand in in other people's other goals people's goals. Well. Yeah, and you often down. forget that when you when, when when you've got a little a decent couple of players playing together. Yeah. yeah, he was a good assister. And that's it. 
for this week's podcast. We did, as it turns out, have much to discuss. Thank you for sticking with us. Um, thank you for sticking with us through the long football-free spring and summer. Yeah. We thought we'd be bringing next week's podcast from the training ground, but there will be no podcast next week. No, I'm off on holiday. I'm off to Scotland. It's your first break of the year, isn't it? It is. Well, it should have been my stepson's wedding, but that was cancelled quite some time ago. But we kept the the, the hotel reservations open and uh, just managed to get to the point where we can use them. So so we're going up there for... Enjoy. And while you're up there, just ask somebody if it's Greenock or Greenock. I will do, Yeah. yeah. Thanks for your time, and as ever, come, come on, on you yellows. yellows.